glad you're here. Do you want some honesty? This is season eight, right? And we're talking about Jane Austen and her works. And I have consumed a lot of Austen lately. I have been rewatching all of the miniseries and the movies, and I've been listening to some of the different books, um, both as full cast, where they've taken real, you know, real actresses and they've are retelling it. Florence Pugh reads Persuasion. And then I've also done kind of like the BBC um, radio theater broadcast, kind of like old radio shows. I've been listening to those. I have been consuming a lot of Austin. And I'm realizing I like Austin a lot more when it doesn't feel like an assignment. It's been rough the last couple of days getting through some of this stuff. Do you remember way back in season one when I talked about animated Disney movies? And I am a huge animated Disney fan. I was raised on them. Love going to Disney World. Know all of the songs to all of the movies. And maybe during that season, I started to despise them a little. <laughs> I took off the rose-colored glasses and was finally seeing them for what they were. And it got a little got a little rough. I got a little angry at times. I, I'm starting to think that maybe too much of a good thing really is too much. And I feel this way a lot when I tackle these stupid challenges that I give to myself, like the Goldie Hawn summer or um, even the summer blockbusters got kind of hard to get through. And I think I'm there with Austin. And the trick will be over the remaining episodes to just not sound bitter and argumentative about it all. I can do it. Luckily, today we're talking about my favorite Jane Austen story, and that is Persuasion. So Persuasion was her last completed novel. According to many a timeline, Jane started writing the story in August of 1815 and finished it in July 1816. She died a year later at the age of 41. Initially, she didn't love the ending of this one, so she added two additional chapters. And according to the Jane Austen Society of North America, which I had no idea was a thing, she never took steps to have the manuscript published. In her will, she left her unpublished novels in the copyrights to Sense and Sensibility, Mansfield, Park, and Emma to her sister Cassandra. And then Cassandra, along with brother Henry, negotiated with John Murray, who they'd been working with, to publish the remaining man manuscripts as a four-volume set on commission. They named her untitled work Persuasion. Northanger Abbey was released at the same time. We'll be talking about that one next week. The set also included Henry's biographical notice of the author, which revealed for the first time in print that Jane Austen was the author of Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, Mansfield Park, and Emma. In her critique of the novel, there was this British literary critic, Gillian Beer. She stated that Jane worried about how persuasion was used in society, especially as it related to added pressures and choices facing young women of the day. Quote, Jane Austen gradually draws about the implications of discriminating just and unjust persuasion. I also read that the story draws in some parallels to the career of her brother, Charles Austin, a Royal Navy officer who was also popular among his crew and eventually rose to the rank of captain, just like Whitworth. His wife, Fanny, who he married when she was 15, which is not great. This is part of the problem of becoming bitter. It's going to come out more in Mansfield Park. Hopefully not so much today. 
Well, Fanny lived on the ship and crossed the Atlantic several times, just like Wentworth's sister in the book, Mrs. Croft. And there was also a story about her niece, Fanny, who um, wanted to marry a young gentleman and had come to her Aunt Jane for advice. And much like in the book, um, Jane kind of dissuaded her from from making that choice. Uh, So that kind of always stuck with her. And I, I don't think she was ever really happy about how she'd kind of influence influence that decision for Fanny. So first, before we get into the list, a brief summary. It's set seven years after the broken engagement between Anne Elliot and Frederick Wentworth. Anne loved Frederick dearly, but unfortunately for her, the naval officer's low status, I guess, low social status, deemed him unsuitable by her friends and family, friend being Mrs. Russell, um, Lady Russell, who like to stick her nose in other people's business and her family. So she was persuaded haha, to break off the engagement. Fast forward to the present, I guess, and the Elliott family, they're in deep financial troubles. Anne's father loves to spend money and his poor finance management results in the family having to rent out Kelly Ninch, Kelly Ninch? Kellynch, I don't know how they say that, haul the family estate and resettle in a cheaper home in Bath, even though it in no way looks cheap. So Mr. Elliot, his daughter Elizabeth, and a family friend, Mrs. Clay, they leave Kellynch Hall for Bath, and Anne then pre- prepares the home for its new tenants, Admiral Croft and his wife, Sophia, whose spoiler happens to be Frederick Wentworth's sister. When Anne goes to visit, so she gets the house already. She meets the admiral and so Miss, his wife Sophia, and then she goes to visit her sister Mary Musgrove. Um, she crosses paths with the now Captain Wentworth at Mary's in-laws' home, and things are incredibly awkward. I love those scenes so much because you see how much Mary's family loves Anne and adores her and respects her, and they just kind of really don't like Mary because she's she's super whiny. She's very annoying. So she kind of crosses paths again with Captain Wentworth, and it's as awkward as she feared it would be. Mary's sister-in-laws are enamored with the gentleman, and it kind of looks like one Louisa is attempting to win his affections. And while Anne has to just sit back and watch, you start to see kind of the, the inner struggle for her because she's this quiet, timid woman. Fast forwarding a bit through the story, there's a trip to Lyme, an unexpected reunion with a cousin who is desperate to keep Anne's father from remarrying and having a male heir because he wants to inherit the estate, an accident where Louisa hits her head and subsequently falls in love with a different Navy dude, a concert, and a final realization that Anne and Frederick are still in love with one another and meant to be together. And they get married in the end. It's very sweet. I love second chance romances, whether it's bad timing or um, the uncertainty of youth, I guess, or whatever. It's just incredibly sweet when two people find each other again. They choose each other, and that's why I like persuasion so much. In the end, Anne chooses Frederick, despite her family's misgivings, despite her own timidity, despite the fact that she let him get away once before, she finds the courage to be true to herself and chooses the man she loves. And lucky for her, he still feels the same way too. The family dynamics and persuasion are complicated. Her father and sister, Elizabeth, are gold diggers. Uh, Her sister, Mary, 
is an annoying twat. <laughs> Lady Russell sticks her nose in other people's business constantly. And despite all of that chaos and her own awkwardness, Anne finally finds her way on her own. At this point, I bet you're asking yourself, what is the angle today, Emily? What type of list are we going to have? Are we going to say favorite Wentworths, maybe? Um, reasons why it's my favorite, favorite versions of Anne? Uh, I was going back and forth on this one a lot. But no, none of those would do. Today, I decided we're going to list four reasons why the new Netflix adaptation is absolute trash. Have I watched it multiple times? Maybe, maybe I have, but it's so bad and it demands its own conversation. Persuasion came out this summer on Netflix. It was directed by Carrie Cracknell. And according to IMDb, it looks like Carrie doesn't have a whole lot of credits to her name. A couple of national theater live productions and some shorts. This, but that was about it. The screenplay was written by Ron Bass and Alice Victoria Winslow. And to be honest, looking at Ron Bass's filmography, I would have expected more. Rain Man, Sleeping with the Enemy, The Joy Luck Club, What Dreams May Come, My Best Friend's Red Wedding. Come on, Ron Bass. You can do better than that. Not sure if it's fair, but I'm going to blame the chaos on Alice Victoria Winslow. She looks very young and very green, the type that would try to make Jane Austen hip when she's kind of hip all on her own. Maybe that's not fair, but that's what I'm going with. So here are my four reasons why it's horrible. Reason number one, I've actually come to really like Dakota Johnson lately. She was great in The Peanut Butter Falcon and kind of fierce in bad times at the El Royale, but she's way too confident to play Anne Elliot. At no point did I actually believe that Dakota's Anne would have succumbed to the pressures of her friends and family? She's outgoing, outspoken, and sar sarcastic almost in this depiction, which really doesn't fit with the Anne Elliot character. They also make her a bit of an alcoholic, which seems an odd choice, chugging right from the bottle without shame. Not that you should always totally be ashamed of that, but she does it a couple times throughout the movie. She also seemed way too self-assured for the version of Frederick, Frederick Wentworth. We'll get back to him in a minute, but it's almost like the two switched places. Like they should have done an all-out gender swap, and maybe that would have made more sense in this movie. Reason number two, pick a lane. Is this a modern retelling or a period piece? Seriously, the movie was all over the place in a chaotic kind of way. And I like the mishmash at times. The modern music in A Knight's Tale was brilliant but they didn't try to shove in modern slang to make it more hip oh but this movie did this movie had moments like Anne digging through a chest full of keepsakes and pulling out a bundle of sheet music that Wentworth gave her and calling it a playlist and a whole conversation on raiding places and men if you're a five in London you're a ten in Bath and Anne using the term electrifying at one point when there would not have been electricity in Regency England or stromboli, which in Italian, which is an Italian American dish that was kind of created in the 1950s. So she wouldn't have even known what stromboli was. It, it kind of made me it made me nuts, to be honest, as they were trying to be cute and it just didn't feel cute. Could you possibly glance over all of these moments? I guess you could. But they take you out of the movie. It's like when you're reading a book and there's an editing typo 
that forces a full stop. Like you're reading along perfectly fine. And then you get to this typo and it literally stops you mid sentence and you have to read it again. And you're like, why is this wrong? And then you figure it out. And then by that time you realize, you know, you're back in your chair and at home and not absorbed in the story anymore. And it takes you a while to get back into it in that way. That always frustrates me to no end. (laughs) So it's a kind of like that though. So as she's being cute and speaking Italian to, to show the viewer that her sister, Mary, who is so narcissistic and so self-consumed, she doesn't realize that she's even doing this, that, that Anne is speaking Italian. And so she throws out words that make no sense for her to know. It just, it's awkward. Reason number three, Wentworth has zero personality, zero. He's a bland fish. He's a bland fish. I don't know if that's a thing, (laughs) but he's a bland, we're saying that he's a bland fish portraying a man. I'm not, I'm not familiar with the other works of the actor Cosmo Jarvis, which is an amazing name. Maybe he's great, but I just did not love this performance. And in all fairness, it might've been the script that got in the way, but Dakota has so much charisma that she just kind of leaves Jarvis behind. In the other adaptations of Persuasion, Wentworth is confident and poised. He's he's charming. He wins over rooms when he walks into them. There's a tension just underneath the surface every time he looks at Anne. And yet he hides those emotions fairly well. All of that gets thrown out the window this time. He's rude at times almost when he wasn't stammering and I definitely like Anne a lot better when she was around Henry Golding, who played Mr. Elliot, the handsome cousin. I just, I didn't, I didn't like Wentworth. I didn't care if they ended up together or not. This man just showed nothing on his face. His hair was distracting at times. Um, Just the hair and the sideburns and the big colors, which is not inappropriate for you know a regency era thing but it was just a lot and you just focused on this face that just gave you absolutely nothing and finally reason number four and we're going back to dakota johnson why an american why an american who can't consistently pull off an english accent in the course of a sentence she will lose it on minimum three times. There are plenty of talented actresses who are more than capable in pulling off Anne Elliot. Tons. Haley Atwell, Rebecca Hall, Felicity Jones, Carrie Mulligan, Gemma Arterton. I could keep going. So why did they pick Dakota Johnson? I I don't understand. I just don't understand. I doesn't didn't make any sense to me. In conclusion, if you haven't seen this adaptation, skip it. Move on. Keep scrolling. There are many other versions worth devouring, like 1995's film version with Amanda Root and Kieran Hines. He He's my favorite Wentworth. Um, there's just something the way he holds himself that you do believe he is a captain in the Navy. And Amanda Root as Anne Elliot, she plays demure and timid, Yet, I know she's attractive. You could see them together at some point. Sometimes it's hard, though, I guess. Not completely. That you try to imagine her kind of a looser, more outgoing self. And I think maybe that's where Dakota Johnson gets it right. You could see Wentworth falling in love with her when she was younger. Sometimes, both in the book and then in these adaptations, a little it's a little tricky to think of a time where, you know, she was 
flirting with a man and was flirting with a man and winning his affections. There's also the 2007 BBC version with Sally Hawkins and Rupert Henry Jones. They are both wonderful. In this one, they have Wentworth as that you see him get shook up a little bit. Um, at one point, he believes himself to almost be engaged to Louisa Musgrove um, because he had shown her attention. Uh, Louisa's family kind of just assumed that they were to be engaged. That's when she then falls and hits her head. And so um, one of his Navy buddies kind of sends him out of town and says, you know, get out of town. Maybe this this attraction, this connection that she has with you will simmer after a while. And you can see him get flustered, like, oh, my goodness, I don't want to marry this woman because, you know, he's still in love with Anne. But it's it's a very sweet reaction to the whole thing. And he would have gone through with the marriage because he's a stand up guy. But it's fun to see him a little flustered in that. There's also Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. I mentioned her back in the first episode with Pride and Prejudice. Uh, they have this wonderful series all of the books are connected about this Indian family. I love, I loved this adaptation. It's fantastic. And then there's also a cool one that's a sci-fi YA novel called For Darkness Shows the Stars by Diane Peterfoint, which is also fantastic. Just a very interesting take on the story. She did that with a couple other books um, or classics uh, in this sci-fi world that were fantastic. She also wrote a series based on the board game clue <laughs> which you can never go wrong with that one but that is it for today next episode we'll be tackling mansfield park which i also thoroughly enjoy but also makes me mad so we'll get there next episode i hope you had a relaxing labor day holiday maybe with a little fun mixed in thank you so much for listening really it is so appreciated if you haven't already i hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together and if you've got the time it would really be awesome if you could rate and review so that other people can find the podcast, people that like to talk about random things, even though they don't really know what they're talking about. Or if you want to share the podcast too, that would be awesome. Just helps me get the word out there about what I'm doing. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as a bit of fun with Emily. Well, have yourself a bit of fun today, and I will see you next time.